Welcome to Marx's Voice, bringing you ideas and analysis from Socialist Appeal, the Marxist voice of labour and youth. For regular updates, subscribe to our podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes or any major podcast provider. Or visit our website at www.socialist.net where you can donate and subscribe to our paper online and help support us in the struggle for socialism. All right. Um, well, yeah, I think Donnie's given an excellent introduction to the to the meeting tonight. Um, the fact that it is now a year, very turbulent year in British politics, where we've obviously uh, had the pandemic hit our shores just over 12 months ago. And also just over 12 months ago, we had Keir Starmer becoming leader of the Labour Party. And in this time, we've seen 150,000 deaths uh, officially, according to uh, COVID, if you look at the ONS statistics, those with COVID on the on the death certificate, over 150,000. And actually, more precisely, we should say the cause of death here is is not just COVID. It's the Tory government and their recklessness, their incompetence, their arrogance, and uh, and their corruption. All, of course, in defence of the bosses and their profits, putting those profits ahead of our lives. And yet, I think. You know, you've seen really the Tories have gotten away with this blue murder. They're riding high in the polls. They've just achieved this electoral victory uh, in uh, in Hartlepool, for example, very indicative. Also in other councils across the country, uh, scored a string of victories across England. And the landslide victory in Hartlepool is particularly uh, important because this was a Labour stronghold, a seat that Labour has held since the seat's inception. And uh, and all of this has happened under the leadership of Keir Starmer, who, whose main pitch really as leader was that he was going to make Labour electable. And now actually Labour is in the opinion polls way behind where it was uh, under Corbyn's time. And uh, in fact, Starmer himself, as his own personal popularity ratings are below where Corbyn was at this point in his leadership as well. So far from being electable, he's actually losing further ground to the Tories in these kind of former red wall uh, strongholds that Labour used to have. And I think really it's not such a surprise that the Tories are actually doing well, for, because they actually at least offer some clear politics, whereas what does Labour have to offer right now? And, uh, and, and in fact, they're getting away with all the corruption, all the sleaze, because there's no political opposition. As, uh, as Donnie just said, really, Keir Starmer has spent more time in the last year attacking the left than he has attacking the Tories. He's pulled his punches throughout this whole of this last year. Sir Keir Starmer, lest we forget, who is, of course, a knight of the realm. And ultimately, you know, his aim is, is to show to the establishment who he, is, who he is a part of through and through, Sir Keir Starmer, showing the establishment that he can be a respectable statesman that they can rely on. Unlike, of course, the evil Jeremy Corbyn, Starmer reassures us that he loves his country, he loves the Queen, and of course, he constantly reminds us that he loves big business as well. Now, even where there has been opposition to the Tories, and there has been opposition to the Tories, hasn't come from the Labour Party, hasn't come from uh, the Labour leadership, where you have had opposition on the streets with the incredible BLM movements, with the more recent Kill the Bill demonstrations, 
with workers going on strike against fire and rehire, with the teachers walking out at the beginning of this year in order to try and uh, bring about safe schools. All of these examples of, of workers and youth moving into struggle, and where has the Labour leadership been? Constantly distancing, distancing themselves from these, refusing to support these workers and youth moving into struggle. And now really, you know, people are saying they don't know what Starmer stands for. You know, this is this is the one of the, the takes from last week's election, you know, uh, certain common commentary figures saying, what does Starmer stand for? What does he stand for? I think it's very clear what Starmer stands for. I think it's been, to be honest, quite clear from the beginning. He uh, he is. What has he done in the wake of this Hartlepool uh, defeat? Has he has he tacked to the left? Has he re-embraced uh, the policies of Jeremy Corbyn, the 10 pledges that he stood on uh, to be Labour leader. No, he has tacked exactly in the opposite direction, reshuffled his shadow cabinet and brought in who as shadow chancellor? Uh, Rachel Reeves. Now, Rachel Reeves is an arch Blairite. She was uh, one of these figures who even under Ed Miliband was trying to outflank the Tories in terms of economic policy, in terms of laying into what she called benefit scroungers and all of these other uh, horrifers and smears against the poor and working people that Labour is supposed to represent. This is who is now Shadow Chancellor, who, 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 the one who's supposed to be setting the economic agenda for the Labour Party, and it is someone who bends over backwards for big business and tries to outflank the Tories on the right. That shows you really which direction the Labour Party is really heading in, in the wake of the Hartlepool election. It shows you what Keir Starmer really stands for. And it's a continuation really of his policies from day one, right? I mean, what was one of the first things Starmer did? He sweeped out all of the, uh, uh, all of the, the former Corbyn uh, shadow front bench, all of the left wingers, all of the socialist campaign group, all of them were kicked out of his uh, shadow cabinet with the exception of one, which was Rebecca Long-Bailey, and she soon was uh, attacked and uh, uh, dismissed in the same way. You then had the suspension of Jeremy Corbyn over all of this, again, these same smears and slanders. And it was very clear at this point that all the pledges for unity were, were just hollow, vacuous words designed to fool left-wing members to try and create these illusions that Starmer was going to genuinely end the kind of civil war in the party, but all it was was an attempt to win the contest and, uh, and throw dust in our eyes. Now, Starmer, egged on by the Blairites, who have been uh, push, the ones really pushing him from the beginning, the Blairites, the, the Murdoch press, now he's doubling down on his flag waving, doubling down on the appeals to big business and made it very clear. And the, those who are backing him have made it very clear what they want, which is to completely bury the legacy of Corbyn and the Corbyn movement and everything that was brought in, all of the policies, all of the manifestos that were brought in under Corbyn, all of that is going to be ejected and jettisoned if there is anything to jettison that is that hasn't already been uh, been uh, chucked out uh, by Keir Starmer over the last year. Peter Mandelson is the one to look at here, really. He is him and these other new Labour uh, architects and the Murdoch press, they're the ones who are really uh, calling the shots here and, are, and, are, and are laying out very clearly what the strategy is in relation to the Labour Party, the establishment strategy. And Peter Mandelson said recently that the aim was to break all the hard left factions from the Labour Party, including the trade unions. That's what where Labour's heading as it currently stands, to get rid of 
all the trade unions get rid of the hard left and that by that they don't mean just uh, comrades like us in socialist appeal they mean momentum and uh, anyone who supported Corbyn effectively in fact what they mean re in reality is the hundreds of thousands of people who joined the Labour Party precisely because of Corbyn these are the people who are now going to be uh, purged if they haven't already left or been suspended over a hundred thousand people potentially have already left the party in disgust and demoralization because of the the, the events over the last year and the attacks on the left, the endless attacks on democracy, on freedom of speech, and uh, openly against the left-wing membership. Some Blairites, like Lord uh, Andrew Adonis, for example, he's even talked about replacing Starmer himself with someone more right-wing, because that's the reality. For these people, there is no one right-wing enough. You know, Starmer was not the man. He was just the stalking horse to try and kind of lead the way and, uh, and, and, and help get rid of Corbyn and pave the way for real Blairism, for, uh, for someone who could really do the business on their behalf. And, uh, and the thing is, they know that their policies aren't popular. They can see what's happened in Hartlepool. You know, they can see that, that, that tacking further to the right is not going to help Labour in terms of uh, beating the Tories. You cannot, you can't outflank the Tories when it comes to flag waving and being the party of big business. There is already a party of capital. It's called the Tory party and you're not gonna beat it on that basis. Labour knows that, that I think all, all this, the so-called strategists of Labour know that in reality, but that's not the point. For them, the point is to get rid of the left wing. It's rule or ruin for these people. They would rather destroy the Labour Party than see a socialist Labour leadership and a socialist Labour government. And that's because these people, at the end of the day, they are not really part of the Labour movement. They're careerists. They are carpetbaggers. These people are, are the right wing. They are Tory infiltrators. They are agents of big business inside the Labour Party. And that is what's clearly showed by the leaked report that came out last year. It showed the real shenanigans and the sabotage that these people have been involved in and actually costing Labour a potential election victory, the potential for a Labour election victory in 2017. Just think what could be different right now if you actually didn't have the Tories in there with this 150,000 deaths. Think what could have happened if you'd had Corbyn in power. For a, for a start, Labour's manifesto included free broadband. I'm sure we all would have enjoyed that a little bit during uh, lockdown. But more importantly, you would have had an NHS uh, that was actually properly funded. You would have had nurses supported and given uh, a decent pay rise. And, uh, and you would have had, uh, I'm sure, sick pay and all these other workers' rights that were, um, uh, that, that, that Labour was promising under Corbyn, but which uh, Starmer and the Tories clearly have not supported over the last year. And uh, I think this is th th all this sabotage is something that we as grassroots activists knew already. All of us here, I'm sure, in this call were not in the slightest bit shocked by the Labour leaked report that came out last year. We've known for years, it's been evident that there's been all the endless attacks and the smears, or, you know, from the right wing Labour MPs to start with, but then all of them, you know, backed by the press, all of the press, we should say, not just the Murdoch press, but even that liberal Guardian rag, you know, it's uh, all of those, all the Blairites uh, on the editorial board there, all of them joining in with these uh, attacks against Jeremy Corbyn and repeating ad nauseum all these accusations and allegations about anti-Semitism. 
But it's very clear what all of that was always about. It was a convenient tool to attack Jeremy Corbyn and to hit the left with an excuse to carry out a witch hunt. Now, I'm sorry if what I've just said is an obvious repetition to, to, to what we already know, but I think it's worth reminding ourselves of all of these uh, facts because we have to learn the lessons from these events. We have to learn the lessons from the last five years. And the problem, the real problem throughout all of this period has been that the left leadership has not been up to the task, has been consistently trying to compromise and giving in to this bullying from the Labour right wing and from the establishment, always seeking to compromise, always trying to prove that it is respectable, that it can, uh, that there is, there can be unity, always trying to reach out and establish this broad church and appease, you know, these unappeasable, uh, vicious opponents and critics. And that was the point. Corbyn could never satisfy his critics. He was bending over backwards to accommodate, accepting the allegations of anti-Semitism, bringing these figures like Hillary Benn into the shadow cabinet. And of course, lest we forget also Keir Starmer, who was of course, the, the, the shadow Brexit secretary responsible for Labour's disastrous strategy of promising a second referendum. But all of all of these concessions, all it ever did was show weakness and that weakness invited more and more aggression. And at the same time, it really sowed confusion and demoralization amongst the rank and file because ordinary members could see they were being attacked. Like there was a purge in 2015. There was a purge in 2016. There was constant attacks on the members at a grassroots level. The right wing were vicious and endless in their assaults. And yet you know what 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 signal was given from the top that we were supposed to constantly turn the other cheek to these people hold out an olive branch and and, uh, and demand unity you know like, like appeal for unity when unity is impossible that's the point we've really got to highlight out of all of these events is that you cannot have unity with these people who represent completely opposite class interests from what we are fighting for and from what the vast majority of members under the Labour Party, under Corbyn, want, which is, you know, interests that represent working class, that represent the youth, that represent the poor and the vulnerable and the oppressed. That's why people joined the Labour Party. That's why Labour Party had 500, even 600,000 members at its peak. Those interests are completely incompatible with these Tory infiltrators in the Parliamentary Labour Party and people like Keir Starmer today. They represent big business. They represent the capitalists and the establishment. In that respect, Labour has always, in reality, been two parties. You've always had this contradiction within the Labour Party between uh, the, the, the MPs, the establishment, the bureaucracy that is ultimately just trying to be a pale imitation of the Tories. And then on the other side, obviously, ordinary people from the Labour movement, from the trade unions, from working class communities looking to get class fighters, looking for socialist policies. Those cannot be combined, really, in reality, in one party. And that is what has been shown, I think, many times over over the last five years. And I think the task really has to be to try and resolve that contradiction. You know, either we capitulate entirely, either the Labour Party moves foot back to full-on Blairism, just the second eleven for the capitalist class, or we fight to complete the transformation of the Labour Party that began in 2015 under Jeremy Corbyn's election. But what does that require? That requires a political struggle, first and foremost. It requires a struggle against the right wing, against these saboteurs. 
But the problem is even here, we've seen over the past year that the, the, the left leaders have been unwilling to go on the offensive against Roaming, despite all of these attacks, they're still seeking compromise, you know, after being slapped in the face again, they're turning the other cheek. Right now, you know, we've just had Keir Starmer show very clearly where he's heading. He's blaming Jeremy Corbyn still for the defeat in Hartlepool. As uh, Donnie said, it's got nothing to do with Jeremy Corbyn. It's got to do with Keir Starmer and the right wing. And, and you know, the, what happened in Hartlepool was an extension of what happened across the Red Wall in 2019. But that in turn was an extension of what happened in Scotland in 2014 and 2015. You know, the, this, this, this process goes way back to the betrayals of, of, uh, of, of the past, of, of the fact that Labour treated all of these places like rotten boroughs, treated working people in, uh, in Scotland, in the North, in the Midlands and Wales and elsewhere, you know, working class communities in general were treated with contempt by the Labour Party, try, you know, whose votes were taken for granted. And Labour councils, right wing councils across the, 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 the country were carrying out cuts on behalf of the Tory party, acting as handmaidens for austerity. And what people saw locally was not the Tory government carrying out cuts, but Labour MPs, Labour councillors going along with all of this and the so-called dented shield. And that's where, again, this kind of policies of compromise, of, uh, of, of trying to manage capitalism, of trying to manage austerity, that's where it gets you. You know, if you don't resist uh, the crisis of capitalism, if you don't fight back against the capitalist crisis and against the austerity that flows from that, the deindustrialization, the loss of jobs, the attacks on wages and conditions. If you don't fight back against all of that, then what is the point of the Labour Party ultimately? That's that's what I think a lot of people are saying. If it's if you're not if you haven't got a party that's really offering any real alternatives to the Tories, then you might as well just have the real thing itself, which is the Tories, who at least are promising in words, although that will all come unstuck in the future, but at least in words. For now, they're promising to level up these areas, which is more than Labour under Starmer has been offering. And we should also not forget that Hartlepool, at least, was actually where, where there was a blip upwards in the polls for Labour, in the support for Labour, was precisely in 2017 when Labour ran not on, uh, on, on, a, on a, uh, you know, a, a flag-waving platform trying to be more patriotic than the Tories. In 2017, it was a class-based programme that put forward bold left-wing manifesto and demands. And that is what ultimately led Labour to, to almost win in that election, as I said, only lost because of the sabotage, really, of uh, the Labour uh, right wing. But this is the point that, that Starmer has very clearly indicated. He's, he's blaming Corbyn for all of this, blaming uh, the left for, for, for being too radical, when it's clear that we haven't been radical enough. And what is Starmer doing now? He is going to change direction. People have said, we've got to have a change of direction. You know, Starmer's got to change direction. And well, you know, he is changing direction. He's changing direction to the right. That's the point. Labour's going to become more right wing uh, under this new shadow cabinet. And, uh, and the, the point we've got to make is if we want a change in direction, we can't, we're not going to get it by appealing to Keir Starmer, by appealing to the right wing and pleading for them to, to adopt the policies of Corbyn. We can't convince these people that Corbynism is popular. That's the thing. We can't convince them that socialist policies are necessary. If we want a change of direction, we need a change of leadership. That's got to be our perspective.
that's why as socialist appeal supporters we are joining forces with other left-wing activists in the clps with the trade unions with others on the left and launching a campaign to try and kick out Keir, to actually say very clearly, Starmer out. And not just Starmer, but all of the right wing, because Starmer is just the, the, the figurehead for, for a much deeper problem inside the party, which, which, is, uh, which is ultimately all of these right wing careerist sabotage MPs in the PLP, backed up, of course, with people like David Evans and these, these Blairite bureaucrats in uh, Labour HQ. We say Starmer out. And that requires a, a clear organization and struggle against the right wing. It's going to require a series of battles in local Labour parties up and down the country and all the way up to Labour conference in September. Now, that what are we suggesting in relation to this? We're suggesting that they're first and foremost, we need to get Starmer out. And that means passing a vote of no confidence in Starmer at the Labour Party conference and votes of no confidence in every CLP up and down the country. Right now, we've just come out of this Perda period. The, the elections are over. Now we need to, to get into the party and make it very clear that we do not have confidence in the Starmer leadership. And that needs to be followed up with a proper leadership challenge against Starmer. Now there, therein lies a little bit of a problem because right now Starmer's not going to step down he's made that very clear he's not going anywhere and the right wing isn't going to open up a leadership challenge because if they did the left would get on the ballot and the left would win and they saw what happened with Corbyn in 2015 they're not going to make that mistake from their point of view again that was a horrible accident that they didn't they wish hadn't happened you know but they let the genie out the bottle and uh and now they can't they you know they can't just put the Corbyn movement back away forever they can't just uh, delete it from history but they're not going to make the same mistake again of just letting the left on uh, launch a challenge so how are we going to get uh, a left challenge in place well right now you can't even get enough left-wing mps to support a leadership challenge because there aren't enough mps in parliament and that the problem for that lies with the fact that we didn't bring about open selection when we had the chance there were many opportunities to go on the offensive against the right wing after the 2016 chicken coup, for example, after the 2017 sabotage general election, you know, and even uh, even in 2018 at the Labour conference, open selection was on the agenda, but it was blocked by the uh, by the unions who didn't want to rock the boat, who again were appealing for compromise and unity and all of these things. You know, that that these were all the chances we had to clear out the right wing without without barely lifting a little finger. You know, the, these 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 uh, right wingers could have been swept out of the PLP. But the result is now that we don't have that many left wing MPs in the PLP. So how to get a leadership challenge? Well, we need to lower the threshold so that you, you can you don't need so many left wing MPs nominations in order to get a, a contest underway. That isn't possible because of, uh, of various technical reasons. Uh, it's, it's not so easy just to uh, bring in uh, that rule change. Uh, but what you could do is to bring in a rule change that says if there's a vote of no confidence in the leader, then they're forced to step down and a contest has to take place. And that is entirely possible. And that rule change is being discussed and debated in CLPs tonight and uh, across the country over the coming month in advance of an 11th of June deadline. 
that rule change motion needs to go to the conference. We need to get left-wing delegates there to vote for it. And it needs to be accompanied by a vote of no confidence from the CLPs themselves, from the affiliations, so that we can count start and start the ball rolling on a proper leadership challenge. And, uh, and I think uh, if, if, if we do that, then suddenly the whole balance of forces in the party could be shifted. You know, the left would then be in the ascendancy and, uh, and, and we could hopefully learn all the mistakes of the past five years. We could learn that there can be no compromise with the right wing. We can go on the offensive and clear them all out, bring in open selection, bring in genuine party democracy, restore Jeremy Corbyn uh, to the PLP, restore all of those members who've been uh, wrongly suspended over the last five years on uh, all these trumped up allegations. Now, as I said, that's gonna, all of that's gonna require a struggle. And what it above all requires is fighting leadership. Because as I said, the big problem over the last few years has been a lack of fighting leadership at the top, has been a leadership that's wanting to compromise, that's wanting to, to, to capitulate at every uh, opportunity. If we want fighting leadership, we need a clear perspective. We need a clear strategy. I think the softness of these kind of left reformist leaders, I think it flows fundamentally from the woolly politics. You know, they, they, they believe a compromise is possible with these Tory infiltrators in the Labour Party. Well, also, they believe that it's possible to patch up capitalism. And I think those two things go hand in hand. But we can see the reality playing out in front of us, you know capitalism is in its deepest ever crisis there is not going to be a repeat of the post-war boom of the 1945 kind of labor manifesto all of that is not going to be uh, you're not going to see that on the agenda in the years ahead rather what we're going to see is not a return to 1945 but a return to the 1930s to the great depression waves of austerity waves of attacks you know, already we're seeing it with things like fire and rehire, this brutal tactic deployed by the bosses to drive down wages and conditions and, uh, and, and drive down the, the conditions of the working class. In other words, there is no real material stability anymore. There is no real material basis for political stability. The cupboard is bare. Capitalism is not going to be offering reforms anytime soon. It's going to be offering counter reforms and attacks and austerity. And that is going to push workers and youth already is pushing workers and youth into struggle on the streets, industrially, and of course, all of this being reflected politically. And we, what we really need, what is lacking above all else then, is not any, uh, any vindication that, that capitalism is bankrupt. We can see that clearly. What is really needed is a leadership in the labor movement that is willing to organize workers and youth around a militant strategy and fight the Tories with bold socialist policies. And that has to start by fighting to transform the Labour Party, bringing in open selection, sweeping out the right wing, bringing in proper party democracy, putting the members in control and bringing back clause four, or better yet, having a new socialist clause four that actually uh, puts at front and center the need for the socialist transformation of society that says very clearly that we cannot patch up capitalism, that capitalism has to be overthrown, it has to be abolished. This rotten, bankrupt, broken system has to be overthrown. That is what we are fighting for. That is what we're trying to build with socialist appeal. We're trying to build a Marxist tendency in the labor movement. We're trying to build the Marxist voice of labor and youth. 
And I urge anyone who's not already uh, an activist with Socialist Appeal, who's not already a supporter in this cause, I urge you, encourage you to join Socialist Appeal, join us in this fight for socialism, in this struggle uh, for a socialist Britain and a socialist world. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for all the amazing contributions. Um, I think comrades, you know, really valuable um, uh, remarks and, and discussion on uh, on the state of the Labour Party and where we're heading. And I think it is um, it's really important to, to to discuss these wider perspectives about where we're heading. You know, and 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 situate it within the you know uh, within the, the the crisis that's going on more broadly. And like comrades talked about the union struggles, for example. You know, this is all tied up together, right? Like the, the the massive crisis of capitalism that's coming, the huge waves of struggle that we're going to be seeing as people try and defend everything that we've gained in the past. You know, and uh, and that means, yeah, you're going to see shifts to the left uh, in 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 consciousness and uh, and in the unions in particular. You've already seen thousands of people joining the unions and. Um, and what Terry remarked about the changes you could see inside Unison and the impact that will then have on the Labour Party, you know, it shows you how all of these different questions are interlinked. The Labour Party doesn't exist in a vacuum. That's the point, right? Like this battle that we're, get, we're having right now, it's not the, the beginning and the end of history. The, the, the Labour Party has been, was formed, it was, has been re-transformed and it has been transformed and re-transformed again over the last century or more, you know, and 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 even this, uh, the outcome of this struggle, you know, the next few months is going to be vital. That's the point, right? Nothing has been decided yet. It's a battle of living forces. And what you see is that, yes, people uh, are demoralized and dejected right now, but we've seen how the whip of counter-revolution can propel on the revolution, if you like, how, how you know, the, the, the suspension of Jeremy Corbyn caused enormous amounts of anger and a sudden shift to the left in the party. This even just recently, this, this result in Hartlepool, suddenly Twitter, that you had the hashtag Starmer out was trending. No one was saying it outside of Twitter, you know, in the sense, no, no left leader was putting it forward. No one in the press was saying it, but it came organically out of the anger of ordinary people about seeing what was happening in Hartlepool and across the country. And it just shows you how consciousness is going to change and, and, and how it does change. Not just, you know, we've just not just what we've seen over the last year, but over the last five years. I think that the important point that's been made is that that you can't put the Corbyn movement back, right? You can't delete that put that thing in history, right? When when you get these big fundamental turning points in history that shake the whole political landscape, that shake consciousness, you can't just reverse that. There's no collective amnesia that's going to go on, right? People know now that it is possible to change the Labour Party or at least to get a leader in that offers the beginning of change because that's the point we we began that change but we never completed it and I think that the let people will have learned that lesson if we get another left leader in today you know people are not going to make the same mistake in again there's not going to be any more olive branches extended to the right wing it's going to be war from day one and we know it and we know that this time the forces are on our side if we're organized, if we're determined. We've got to be as ruthless as the right wing. That's the point. 
They have been absolutely determined and ruthless to drive us out, right? They've been willing to break all rules of democracy, of, uh, of, of freedom of speech, in order to try and purge the left. Well, we need to democratically remove them, you know, why not? Like, well, that's all we're asking for with open selection, is the right to remove these people. You know, it's not about appealing to them or trying to hold them to account. It's saying, get out. We know you do not represent us. 90% of the PLP voted no confidence in Jeremy Corbyn. Well, now 90% of the membership needs to vote no confidence in all of those MPs. That's what I say. You know, they they said that Jeremy Corbyn had to run to, to, to have an open selection, if you like. He had to have a mandatory reselection. He had to be have a, a second leadership challenge within within one year of, uh, of of being leader. Well, we say to all these people, why don't you put yourself up against the membership? See if the members want you to be their representative. And that's the thing we've got to bear in mind with all this. I don't think we can blame ordinary people for what's happened over the last five years. I don't think we can blame ordinary Labour members for anything that's happened over the last five years. You know, we tried, ordinary people joined in the hundreds and thousands joined the Labour Party because they saw some sort of change, some sort of possibility of changing the party and changing society through the Labour Party. Now, what, what, what happened? People came out in 2015 to vote for Corbyn. They came out in 2016 to vote for Corbyn. They, they campaigned on the streets in the thousands in 2017. And then again, in even larger numbers in 2019. I remember going on one canvassing session and there were 700 people turned up in a marginal seat to canvass for the Labour Party in the middle of winter. That has never happened in the history of British politics. I remember in 2016 when they tried to get rid of Jeremy Corbyn and at 24 hours notice, there was 20,000 people in Parliament Square saying, we want Corbyn in, Tories out. When on earth have you had an opposition leader get 20,000 people coming out at 24 hours notice just to protest against the right wing within their own party? I mean, that what a remarkable, like these events were, were, were shatter, earth shattering, you know. These things, are, uh, people remember them, they remember it. And, and it, what it shows is people, ordinary people, workers, youth, activists, they put in the effort, right? We moved might and main to try and get a socialist Labour government. And what was the problem? The problem was the saboteurs in the PLP, the bureaucrats at Labour HQ. And unfortunately, we have to say, our own leadership that thought that compromise was possible with these people. That was the real problem. You know, you can't blame ordinary members. Ordinary members wanted open selection. In fact, at the 2019, sorry, 2018 Labour conference, the CLP delegates voted overwhelmingly for open selection. It was the unaccountable delegates from the trade unions who voted against it. And that shows again the importance, as Terry said, of transforming the trade unions. We've got to transform the whole Labour movement, not just the Labour Party, but the unions as well. They're an important, integral part of this. If we want to see uh, a socialist Labour Party, we need socialist fighting trade unions as well. And so that I think, you know, we've got to give full support to Terry and all the comrades who are looking to transform Unison. There's the Unite General Secretary election going on at the moment. We're supporting Howard Beckett, who, you know, admittedly, he's, he's not... Uh, a full-on candidate of the grassroots. He's a he's a, an assistant general secretary, but at least he talks about class struggle. At least he talks about fighting Keir Starmer and not trying to cozy up to him. 
you know, at least he uses the kind of language and the words that we need. And what we need to do is get him in, make sure that there's a left candidate at the head of uni at Unite, along with uh, Paul Holmes and the, the rest of the left wing in unison. And together, those two unions would completely change the balance of forces on the on the Labour Party in the Labour Party. And they could also send activists into the Labour Party to change balance of forces on the grassroots level as well. And that's the point. I think if there was a, a lead, if there was a clear point of reference, figures like Howard Beckett are coming to the surface, other figures as well, you know, people who are representing that anger in society. If there was more fighting leadership, if there was a clear point of reference, then you would see people coming back into the party. The reason they're leaving is because there's no fighting strategy. There's no perspective. You know, what, 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 you know, what, what reason do I, you know, I, I go to my CLP meeting, got, you know, not, not, don't look forward to it every month, particularly at the moment. But, you know, that's a majority of people, they've got other things to do. They've got, you know, jobs to go to. They've got families to, to, to be with. You know, and if you want to give people an incentive to, to join the Labour Party and to be active in it, then you need a strategy for how we're going to take over the Labour Party, how we're going to reclaim the Labour Party and how we're going to turn it into a vehicle for socialism. And that's the problem at the moment. The left leaders, they're in denial, you know, they're burying their head in the sand and just hoping to convince Keir Starmer, hoping to convince the right wing. We need a left leadership that has a clear perspective and strategy for how we get rid of the right wing, not to try and appease them, how we transform the Labour Party, how we use that to go on the offensive against the Tories, and how we then bring in a socialist Labour government that's actually going to begin transforming Britain and, you know, and, and internationally as well. Look at what's going on in Israel-Palestine right now. Who supports that? Our imperialist government and the imperialist agents in the Labour Party as well. Keir Starmer supporting the overseas operations bill, supporting the, the spy cops bill, supporting the flag, the monarchy and all the all the patriotism and the nationalism and the, you know, the Union Jack. All of that shows Keir Starmer and the right wing, they represent imperialism and imperialism are the ones subjugating the Palestinians and all the other oppressed peoples across the world. We get a socialist Labour government. We get a socialist uh, Britain. We can remove that support for imperialist powers abroad, support the, uh, you know, the, 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 the ordinary uh, people and the masses in their struggle for liberation in Palestine and elsewhere. It shows you the, the, the potential for transforming the whole world. And it has to begin by transforming our own organizations, by actually having, you know, a party that represents all of these, uh, these values. And I think that's where it comes back to this question of perspectives. And this is where I want to end, right? We as Marxists understand, you know, from studying history, from looking at these, from understanding the lessons of these events, we understand, you know, where things are heading. We can see, you know, that there is not going to be a post-war, you know, like this isn't going to be like the post-war period with a long economic boom. They're talking about maybe a short recovery of a few months as people go on holiday, as they go and spend some money in the pubs. And don't worry, we'll all be there having a pint as well. But the point is, that's not going to save the economy. Capitalism is in its deepest ever crisis. It's in a historically deep crisis, the worst for 300 years, according to the Bank of England. And that's why I think the comrades are very right. Vic pointed out, this isn't going to be like Kinnock. This isn't going to be like Blair. You know, this is going to be a whole different epoch. This is going to be more like Ramsay MacDonald in the, in the 1930s, 
when he tried to form a national government, where he did form a national government. And this, was a, this raises the question of a split in the Labour Party. What did you see then? Well, you didn't see a split in the Labour Party. You saw the right wing split away, if you like, uh, to, to, to join up with the Tories and form a national government. And the rest of the Labour Party actually lurched very far to the left. You even had the creation of what was called the Independent Labour Party. That was that and that did split away. But the lesson of that was that that split didn't go anywhere. Actually, what you see nowadays is you've had right wing splits. Who, who can forget after? Well, you can very easily forget Luciana Berger and Chukaramuna and their little gang of uh, splitters. That didn't exactly go anywhere. And uh, not that I cried any tears for Chukaramuna not not winning his seat in 2019. I think he got what he deserves, although I think he's now getting a very well-paid job in the city of London. So actually he got a lot more than he deserves in that respect. But the point is that that split went nowhere. Those those splits to the right are going to go nowhere because they've got nothing to offer. That, cent that so-called centre ground, you know, they're just uh, another flavour of Tory politics, another set of liberals. They've got nothing to offer ordinary people in this period. Splits to the left, unfortunately, we have to learn from history, also do not go anywhere because the, the point is we have, a, we have a party for workers and youth in, in Britain. The problem is it's been taken over at the top by the agents of capitalism and we've got to reclaim it back from them. That's the real struggle. It's not about, you know, the, the, I don't think the right wing are going to split away uh, from the Labour Party. They're looking to take it over. And the left should be doing the same. We shouldn't be looking to split away. We should be looking to take back a party that was founded in our interests and not just the interests of workers. Marxists were involved in the foundation of the Labour Party. You know, when they say we're entryists, we say no. These people, the Tory entryists, you know, that's what we've got at the moment. The Blairites are the entryists. They're the ones trying to take over our party. Marxism has a long, rich history inside the party. And that's what we need to do today is build and rebuild the Marxist tendency inside the Labour Party because it's Marxism that offers a perspective. It's, the, it's Marxism that offers an idea of where things are going, where history is heading. And Marxism is, is all about learning from history, learning from the struggles, taking all this collective memory of the class struggle, of the working class, and applying it today to see the line of march, to see where things are heading. That's what we have. We have perspectives, we have politics, and we have determination. We have optimism because we know that we can change society. We know that ordinary people, when organized and mobilized, as, as, as uh, Donnie said, we are the many, they are the few. We can change society if we're organized and we, if we're armed with a clear socialist program, with a clear set of ideas, with a Marxist perspective that shows a way forward for workers and youth. That's what we're trying to build, the forces of Marxism in Britain and internationally. And that's what, what is ultimately needed is a Marxist leadership in order to lead these struggles to a successful conclusion. And so I reiterate, if you're not already involved in the Marxist tendency, socialist appeal, go to socialist.net help us subscribe, donate, and most importantly, join, get involved in Essex or wherever you are, join us in the struggle, join us in the fight for socialism. Thank you, comrades. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Marxist Voice. You can subscribe to our podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes, or any major podcast provider or visit our website at www.socialist.net.
And if you're able to, please donate or subscribe online and help support us in the struggle for socialism.